check, check. All right, there we go. Boom. I just had to make sure I'm recording this audio, too, for the MTL podcast, you know. But, um, man, this is awesome. Like, to be back here again, doing this More to Life live Facebook kind of gig. We did a Zoom last week. Um, we sent the link out by email to people, and we just checked in. Um, kind of facilitated it with questions, you know, ask different questions and let everybody kind of respond and, and just had a good time, you know, for like 45 minutes. Hopefully tonight, this is going to go about 30-ish minutes. Um, yeah, and this will probably be one of my most haphazardous talks, <laughs> I would say. Like, I had an idea, and that idea I want to spend a little bit more time with, so I'm pushing that to next time that we do this event, which it's going to be essentially the idea of, um, moving forward and remembering what we've learned. Um, the things that we've learned, the things that we can say, we, we, we've like become aware of this now and we're going to move forward. It's the idea of moving forward and choosing not to forget. So that's kind of the, the idea for next time. Um, this time I just felt an overwhelming, I don't know, sense, urge, something inside of me to speak about something that I talk about a lot. So tonight's talk is called A Broken Record. And I don't know if you guys have ever actually held a record and used a record, a vinyl record. Um, But this whole idea of a broken record... Yeah, I mean, you can take a vinyl, you know, and you can smash it up and you can break it pretty easy. But a lot of times when people say broken record, they're actually referring to like a scratch. Um, they're they're actually referring to like a skipping record. It's like when you use that term and you say, oh, I'm like a broken record. It's It's the fact that I repeat and I repeat and I repeat, right? Like somehow I skip and I come back to this place again. And I, and I, and I do all of that again. And I don't know about you guys, but my life can certainly feel like a broken record. And the longer I live and I look back, I return to certain ideas and certain themes. And it's like, I hear them again and I learn them all over again. And sometimes it's to a different depth, a different level, a different degree But my life feels like a broken record in so many ways. I mentored students for a long time with my wife. We co-directed this nonprofit organization called Summit County Youth and went by the acronym of SKY. And I had to do talks like sometimes three times a week, you know, to grade school students, middle school students and high school students. And you're just trying to talk to them, encourage them, inspire them tell them life stories, help equip them to navigate adolescence and like even young adulthood and then further on. And now I've got three boys of my own. And I feel like if you had asked any of those Sky students, and sometimes if you ask my boys (laughs) what I talk about the most, um, the first word that always pops up is love. You know, if you come on if you'd come alongside of a sky student, you said, Oh my gosh, what's Phil going to talk about? They'll probably, uh, probably love like Phil always talks about love. And that's cause I'm a broken record when it comes to love and this idea and this practice and, and what it looks like and what it means. You know, I remember when Ann and I went and she had an ultrasound and we found out that 
indeed our first child was going to be a boy. And we were driving back from Vail. We were excited. We were calling parents. We were, you know, just letting people know all this kind of stuff. We didn't let it be a surprise the first time. And I just remember thinking, like, can I do that? Can I pull that off? Like, am I the dad of a son? <laughs> like, I don't know. Like, am I? I uh. And the reason I, I, I mentioned that and I say that is just because I'm not like a manly man. Um, I mean, it's just, I don't know. Like, I I don't hunt. <laughs> I I actually can't. I, I killed a bird one time with a BB gun and I cried and I cried and I cried. Um, I, I don't drive a truck. I actually drove a Prius for a long time. Um, I don't care about sports. I mean, they're fun because you get to hang out with people, but I don't enjoy the competition. Like, it's more like, I don't know, you win, I lose. I don't care. Like, whatever. It's a good time. I don't rally for sports teams. And um, there's just so many things that I don't do. I, I like, I really like style. I don't know. Like, I'm just throwing this out there. I was like having this moment of, can I be the father of a son? And what does that look like? And then I had another son. And then I had another son. And now I'm the dad of three sons. And, you know, going through this difficult experience right now with all of you, like the world, um, this kind of shared and yet different experience, going through all of this, a lot of times when we have those moments in life, we reflect And even though we experience something difficult, we simultaneously also experience growth, like a deepening. And I found myself in this period of time, experienced that broken record and feeling that love kind of come back around. It's something I'm learning, something I'm being reminded of again. And with my boys, man, I feel like if I'm going to be a dad... Of three boys, there's probably nothing better I can communicate and teach and model and demonstrate for them other than love. If that's something they can pick up, if that's something they can feel like their dad imparted to them, I'm a winner. (laughs) Like I win, I win. And so tonight... As I was thinking about all of that, and I've got those ideas kind of like rolling around in my head, um, I wanted to share some stories with you guys tonight about love. Um, Some of these stories are personal. Some of these stories are from books, you know, and in no way is this an exhaustive list, but I just wanted to share more about this topic of love. Because I feel like we're in a period right now, especially, again, in this whole story that's unfolding for us right now. Um, You could possibly use a little pick-me-up. You could possibly use a good dose of love tonight. So I hope these stories inspire you, encourage you, motivate you. Um, I hope they also give you a window into something I'm learning and possibly something you're also learning at the same time. Recently, I had to give a talk. Um, I gave a talk to another group live on Zoom, and you won't believe what my topic was. Love. And um, I, I honestly spoke about how I feel like love is the only true power 
Um, it's the only revelatory thing in this world. It's, it's, it's not the easy way. It's, it's the difficult way. And it's something that's revealed to us. And it's something that we learn. And it's something that takes a lot of practice, pretty much a lifetime of practice. So love, love, love is where we're going tonight. Now I've got some books. I'm going to be looking down like this because they're at my feet and I'm trying to pull them up and I'll try and pull them up at appropriate times when I need to, you know, kind of share something or include that story. But, um, when I spoke to that group earlier, like last week, I think, um, I also talked about love and what an incredibly roomy word it is, you know, like it is a verb. And so you say the word love, but it's like it means so many different things. And so hopefully tonight I'm going to hit on some of those different things, what that looks like, love, what it can be like, how it can look, how you can experience it, how you can demonstrate it, how you can give it, um, how you can feel it, all of those different things. And I really spoke with them about love as being with, like I love the word with. Um, mainly because I love to be with everybody and I feel like community is a big deal. Um, being with friends is a big deal. And right now that's not an easy thing for everybody. So this idea of with and, um, just remembering what love is and retapping back into that. So, um, let's start with love is generosity. Let's go there. Let's start with love is generosity. I like that one. Um, I've got this dad, his name is Phil as well. And one of my favorite stories, um, I mean, he probably did this with me as a kid, but I've most recently seen it with my kids and him as being a grandpa, right? So he's got this metal detector that he loves and he's actually given us one and now we own a metal detector, but he loves to go out looking for stuff. Like when he comes here to the mountains, we go out and we search for treasure, Right, we search for treasure and we find nails, old rusty nails. Um, we find like bits of metal and things. But when our boys were much more little, specifically Silas and Lincoln, our first two, um, they had the chance to go out with the metal detector in my parents' yard in Decatur, Illinois, and they would go out and they would look for treasure. And pretty soon they would find a quarter and they'd be like, oh my gosh, I found a quarter, you know? And I remember one time I'm inside and I think it's Anne. She's laughing about it and she pulls me outside and I'm like watching it happen and unfold. But what's basically going on is my dad has thrown change like everywhere in the yard, you know, like, I mean, you can't take like a step without this thing beeping and going off. And I remember Silas and Lincoln just finding so much treasure out in the yard and just thinking this was the coolest, best thing ever. Now, I tell you that story because all throughout my life, my parents have traveled and visited Anne and myself and and my boys. And without fail, um, my dad leaves and I get a text or I get a phone call or I find something. And my dad is notorious for leaving money at my house, um, like in random places. <laughs> it's like underneath the seat cushion. It's in the console in the car. It's somewhere else. And my dad would just give us some money, 
And it was this cool gift, and it was this surprise treasure. Um, Super generous heart. Now, at the same time, almost without fail, whenever I would get that gift of money, within a day, within two days, within a week, I would be greeted with an opportunity to give money away as well. To give some of it, if not all of it, away to someone else. It was this very interesting thing and how it trickles down because my dad is just a generous kind of guy. And he would spread that to me. And then once I've got it in my hands, I know that it was a gift to me. And then I'm able to make that a gift to someone else. Particularly, I remember one time uh, my dad had just given me money and we were on a trip, actually. We went on a trip, Ann and I, to go watch a friend be married. Um, and once we had landed, we got somewhere and we had Lincoln with us, who was really little at the time. And I was going into the store and I had that money with me. I took it as like spending cash and like I needed like cash with me on this trip. And I'm walking in and there's this homeless guy just right outside the gas station. And, um, like I walked up to him, you know, and, and, and I gave him some money. Because it just felt like it was the right thing to do. I had it on me, and it was a gift, paint it forward. And immediately, it was pretty cool. Because he noticed the car that I came out of and everything. And he was like, oh, but let me give you, let me, let me give you something. And I was like, oh, all right, all right, cool, you know. And, and so he, like, pulls out. He goes through this shopping cart and this bag and stuff that he's got. And he pulls out, and he rips off this piece of paper. And he has a yellow notepad of paper, and he gave it to me. And he said, here. Like your boy, like you, he can scribble on this and draw on this. And I was like, oh, thank you so much, you know. And then I went into the gas station, did my thing, and he came in not long after and he bought up a bunch of groceries. It was pretty cool. Um, but just love is generosity. Love is in paying it forward. Love is in a gift that you're given and then you also receive it and then you give it to someone else, right? And it looks like so many different things. I wanted to read one story for for you. Um, This is a story from a guy named Tony Campolo. I don't know if any of you guys know him. If you don't, not a big deal. If if you don't like him, whatever, this is a great story. Um, He says, one day about the noon hour in Philadelphia, I was walking down Chestnut Street when I noticed a bum walking toward me. He was covered with dirt and soot from head to toe. There was filthy stuff caked on his skin, but the most noticeable thing about him was his beard. It hung down almost to his waist, and there was rotted food stuck in it. The man was holding up a cup of McDonald's coffee, and the lid of the cup was almost smudged from his dirty mouth. As he staggered toward me, he seemed to be staring into his cup of coffee, and then he suddenly looked up and yelled, "'Hey, mister, you want some of my coffee?' I have to admit that I really didn't, but I knew that the right thing to do was to accept his generosity. And so I said, sure, I'll take a sip. As I handed the cup back to him, I said, you're getting pretty generous, aren't you, giving away your coffee? What's gotten into you today that's made you so generous? The old derelict looked straight into my eyes and said, well, the coffee was especially delicious today. And I figured if God gives you something good, you ought to share it with people. And I thought to myself, oh man, he's really set me up. This is going to cost me like $5 for this sip of coffee. And so I asked him, well, I suppose there's something I can do for you in return, isn't there? The bum answered, yeah, 
you can give me a hug. To tell you the truth, I was actually hoping for the $5. (laughs) He put his arms around me and I put my arms around him. And then suddenly I realized something. He wasn't going to let me go. People were passing us on the sidewalk. They were staring at us. There I was dressed in establishment garb, hugging this dirty, filthy bum. I was embarrassed. I didn't know what to do. And then little by little, my embarrassment changed to awe and reverence. Pretty cool. Pretty cool story. So when I tell a story about generosity, I don't want you to just think, oh, it's about money, right? Because I started with that. But generosity can look so many different ways. It was sharing coffee. It was sharing a hug and exchange of that feeling, right? That embrace. After this whole period settles down, we're going to be given a lot of hugs, right? No more elbow bumps, no more high fives, like a lot of hugs, a lot of with together and with one another, sharing that generosity. Now, I am a wedding officiant, and so I do a lot of weddings. And I haven't been doing a lot of weddings. (laughs) They've kind of come to a grinding halt. I'm so excited um, to go be in person and to celebrate with people again. Celebrate what I'm talking about tonight, love. Like, I love doing weddings because it's literally what I'm talking about right here. It's the celebration. It's, it's, it's the birthplace. It's like a continued next chapter. Um, it's, it's so much celebration around this thing called love. Now, there have been a lot of cancellations and a lot of postponements. And I've been dealing with a lot of emails and um, exchanges and, and things like that. And... I'm trying to stay financially stable, (laughs) afloat, and I'm also dealing with people who have canceled and they're looking for some money back if it's a possibility. And most recently, like I just wanted to share this kind of like thing with you, like I love the couples I work with. They're amazing. They're patient. Um, They're understanding. Um, I'm trying to do the right thing. So I'm like, I know what my contract says, but like, man, if I can meet you in the middle, let's do that. Let's figure that out. And then I have some couples go, forget it, Phil, just keep everything. I have one bride and she's like, I'm just going to pay you in full because I feel like it's the right thing to do. Isn't that crazy? Like sometimes love looks like doing the right thing. I think it's Dumbledore. And I haven't read the Harry Potter books, so you can knock me for that. <laughs> and Anne's going to correct me right now. She's laughing, tearing up back here in the back. But I think Dumbledore, somewhere in there, I think he says something like this. You will kind of come to a fork in the road, and you'll know that there's the easy way, and then there's the right way. Right? And sometimes love is that right thing to do. It's, it's, it's just that right thing. It's that thing you know. It's, it's, it's not easy. It's actually rather difficult. It might put some financial strain on you. It might um, not be what everyone else around you tells you to do. 
I've got a story for you about the right thing to do. I, I've got this friend, Ben Miller. He's getting married in August. Woo! And I'm hoping, <laughs> I'm hoping this all settles down. We can go to California. We can hang out. We can go to his wedding and be a part of it. It's amazing. But Ben Miller, a long time ago, he lived with us. Um, we were young, man. We were in our 20s. And we were living in Breckenridge, Colorado. And Ben moved in with us. And he's helping us pay, like, our rent. And we were just getting ready to travel back and visit family in Minnesota. And our little Geo Prism car was this car that was, like, well over 200,000 miles the thing never had anything wrong with it. All it needed was oil changes and brakes replaced. You know what I'm saying? It was one of those kind of cars. And Ben and I and another guy named Sean were actually traveling down towards Georgetown. And I was in the center lane and I had a car on the left of me, car on the right of me. There was a boulder in the road. I called it a boulder. It was probably just a rock. But it was big enough that I, when I saw it, I was like, Ah, I don't know what to do. I can't swerve right or left. I'm not going to slow down. Like, I don't just hit it. And we just heard it like underneath the car. And then that canceled our trip. We turned around. We came back home. I had a mechanic look at it and they were like, you know what? Um, It's kind of done a little bit of damage. We can fix that, but don't drive this thing. Okay. Like, let's get it fixed. So we just let the car sit at home and we were like, we're going to go to Minnesota. Ann and I, we're going to travel to Minnesota. We're going to leave the car here. Ben, don't drive the car. All right. So then we go visit. We're in Minnesota (laughs) and like about two days into our trip and we get a call from Ben. Oh, and Silas was young enough at the time. He didn't call him Ben. He called him Ven, Ven. And so Ben calls us. And he says, I've got some bad news, Phil. And I'm like, what? He's like, well, you know, I'm, I'm here and I got a call that I could go essentially babysit. I could watch for some, watch some kids and get paid some money. And so I took the job and, but they needed me to drive there. And so I, I hopped in the prism, you know, and I drove out and, and I took a wrong turn and I realized I was taking a wrong turn. So then I backed up. And I was going to turn around, and when I did, the tire kind of slid off the side of the road. The entire car flipped. It rolled. And Ben ended up in this essentially kind of like a dried-up ravine. They diverted the river like a week before. If not, he would have been like in water. But he was upside down, and he's like, dude, the car is like trashed. It's, It's totaled. It's done. You know what I mean? And the the worst news was that we didn't have insurance. We could we didn't like have insurance. We didn't really we couldn't afford it either. Like the most basic, the most basic insurance. You know what I mean? Which didn't cover anything that had happened, right? So we were just out a car. And I remember so many people at the time and friends and and different people giving us advice on like what we should do because Ben, our friend, had driven the car and totaled it and um. You know, like tough spot to be in. And I remember talking with Ben and I'm like, dude, out of your control, out of my control. And I know that Ben was like out of college. He was trying to pay off student debt. And he was also trying to move out of the country to go work with like kids who live on the street. And like people were like, well, make Ben pay for it because you guys don't have a car and you need a car. And we're like, well, we don't know how we're going to afford a car, what we're going to do. But here's the thing that I feel inside of my heart. I can't make Ben pay for it. (laughs) It's the right 
thing to do. In this moment, in this scenario, it's the right thing to do. And I caught some flack for that. I remember from some friends and from some people. Um, I definitely caught some flack for that, and it was pretty funny. But I just knew in my heart of hearts it was the right thing to do. So we've talked about love a little bit as generosity. We've also talked about love as the right thing to do. All of this is about love that is with, just so you know. Right? Like it's all love as with. Love is a verb and love is these different kinds of things. Um, I remember coming home almost every day after grade school um, to a bowl of ice cream. My mom, yep, vanilla ice cream. Nothing else on it. I love vanilla. Vanilla is my favorite flavor. It's the original flavor, in my opinion. It's the best flavor. Um, you can chime in on that. You can say whatever you want. Vanilla is where it's at. But a vanilla bowl of ice cream on the countertop. It was like this little I love you from my mom. Um, From cooking meals. My mom gives great hugs as well. She puts a lot into her hugs. Um, Love can look so many different ways. It It can look like things that you do for people, right? And things that you offer people like that. It can be cooking, it can be serving them, it can be all sorts of things. I know that also love can look like, well, like with my boys, like a lot of times like to love them, it's it's things that I do with them. It's not me pulling them in on the things I'm doing, it's me joining in on the things they're doing. So throughout the years with them, I've gotten really good at hide and go seek, you know, I've gotten really good at playing Legos, I've gotten really good at dreaming up and playing with my imagination most recently we've got a trampoline in our yard a rectangular one and our three boys all love to jump on that thing and and they want me to come out there and i'm just telling you my equilibrium (laughs) and whatever happens in your head i used to love roller coasters and i can't i can do them now but it changes my mood for the rest of the day Do you know what I'm saying? So like when I go out on the trampoline and I jump around a little bit, I'm okay for about five minutes. And then after that, like my head is a wreck. And like for the rest of the night, like I just feel like I'm like, what is happening? But they wanted to recently play on the trampoline. And I knew, I knew that I was going to feel awful. I knew it. And I would have much rather said, no, guys, come in. Let's play this, like, cool board game and all, blah, blah, blah. But I knew it's what they wanted to do, so I joined in with them on what they wanted to do. And we played Dead Man Walking, and we pushed each other around, and we wound up with a bloody nose and, like, some other things. And it was, like, a great time. And my head was a mess for the rest of the night, but the smiles and the laughter... And memory and the withness out there was something else. And it's this idea of love being play, right? That's what I want to get at right now. Love being play. Sometimes it's not what you think it is either. And sometimes it means you're doing something that's like on someone else's level. But it's crazy what it can do for you and them. I've got this story. I'm not sure how applicable it is. But um, I'm going to read it for you anyway, simply because I feel like it's a really cool story. And I think it's going to go somewhere good. But it's from this book called Flipped by Doug Paget, And I'm going to take some liberty with it. I'm going to read it fast for you guys because 
I mean, what's weirder than like staring at a screen of a guy reading a book to you? <laughs> like, sorry, but this is a good one, and I think it applies. So here we go. Um, he says, in 1995, I met Dieter Zander. When we first met, I was a fan. I had read the book he had written and admired the work he was doing in his church. I saw him as a pioneer, a role model, a risk taker. I drove from Minneapolis to Chicago to see him in action at his church, and the ways that he talked about faith and God and church and people resonated so much with me, but I was also intimidated by him. He was leading a huge community. He was talented. He was good-looking. He seemed to have ready answers for things that haunted me, and I felt so fortunate to be able to develop a friendship with him. Over the years... We talked often about what we wanted to see happen in our lives and in our faith. We worked together. Dieter was a smart and ambitious guy. He was also a deep thinker with a deep soul. For a number of years, that deep passion manifested in a significant worry and struggle. And then on February 4th, 2008, everything changed. Dieter suffered a severe stroke. And six days later, when he awoke from a coma, he couldn't speak. His right hand was too disabled to play piano or hold a pen. He says his brain felt foreign after his stroke. Losing the use of his left side of his brain meant he was going to be living an entirely different kind of life. I saw him a year or so after his stroke, and I was taken aback. I tried not to let it show, but I know that it did. We walked along the streets of San Francisco, where he had lived for eight years. I was not familiar with how to engage with a stroke victim who had lost the use of the language center of his brain, so I nervously talked way too much. (laughs) And Dieter's whole life had changed. His sons were off to college. He and his wife had separated just before a stroke. And now Dieter was living alone with half his brain not working. With his limited language, he tried to convey what was happening inside by saying over and over in a stuttered, jolting way, I good, me and dog live together, I happy. Right? So, he works at Trader Joe's grocery store. He's responsible for the excess food, which he calls the spoils, and for cardboard boxes and general custodial work. He told me about the wonderful people whom he loves and who love him. He reflected on how he used to lead thousands while speaking from a stage. He now says, years ago, I was a popular man. Now my friends are small. Small is good. Dieter now says, before God was my boss, now God is my friend. Dieter says this. Well, he says that God says to him, Dieter... You're not going to work. Now we play. And he said that in front of a crowd. And um, this was like, he said that in front of like a crowd that he was speaking to. He was invited to speak somewhere. And Doug Padgett says that as he said that, the eyes of the listeners all filled with tears. They also longed to be content with God and to see life not as work, but life as play. Guys, I'm tearing up because I love life as play. I love love as play. And one of the things I'm being reminded of through all of this is that call back to, man, life is not sometimes the stuff that we've gotten caught up in. The busyness, the pressure, the money, the work, but the lightness of enjoyment, the play, the interaction and engagement of love with other people, 
with your pets, <laughs> with like your mind reading just that idea of play, love as play. Um, whew, I got a few more stories. I'm not going to go too long. I wanted to talk about love as belonging and acceptance because I think that's really cool. And the best story I have for this, um, it's not like deep um, and it shouldn't get any of us teary. I think it's it's more funny. Um, I I had this grandma, um, Margaret Seabach and um, Grandma Seabach. She's she's pretty awesome. Um, uh, to say it like bluntly, she could be a pretty judgmental person. <laughs> She was amazing, though. And this is the story I'm going to share because, like, I know she's smiling down and she's, like, loving the fact that I'm sharing this. Now, what I mean by judgmental or what I mean by um, just kind of like she could put her foot down, you know what I mean? Um, My favorite story, one of my favorite stories about my grandma was that she canceled Christmas one year. Um, And people are always like, what? And it's like, yeah, she canceled Christmas because she really wanted this ring. And my grandpa wasn't going to get it for her. And so she, like, announced that Christmas was off. Because we always went out there and we celebrated. And she was like, not happening this year. And then I don't know how much time went by. But then we all got the call that Christmas was back on. And grandma had a new ring. And that's kind of how my grandma was, right? And so growing up, I would always hear her say different things. And two things that I definitely heard her say were that guys should not have long hair. And the guys should not pierce their ears. And then um, I remember growing my hair out <laughs> pretty long. And I remember showing up. And I remember Grandma Seabach looking at me and everybody just wondering, like, what's she going to say? What's she gonna? And she looks at me and she's like, oh, you look so good. That long hair looks so good on you. You know what I mean? I remember piercing my ear. And now I've got plugs. Um and I remember, again, seeing my grandma Seabach and her just being like, oh, my gosh. Yeah. I mean, it just looks so cute on you, though, Philip. So cute on you. You know, she'd give me this hug and she would just love on me. Love looks past so many things, right? Like the acceptance and the belonging that come with love are powerful. It's powerful. That's where we get those terms like unconditional love, right? That's why we throw into wedding vows things like for better or for worse. It's like there's going to be a lot of compromise involved in love. And so like just understanding love as this place of acceptance, this place of belonging, like moving forward again, I'm sure there are plenty of us who have a number of stories right now where... Maybe we've been too judgmental or maybe we've been too stern or maybe we haven't been as inclusive as we could be. And it would be great moving forward to experience love as a profound withness that has this acceptance and belonging attached to it. If we could move more into that. I have this really short story that's super applicable for this. And this comes from a book called Embraced. Um, A guy named Steve Sherwood wrote this book. But he tells this story in here and it says, A story is told of a wealthy father who had a falling out with his son. In anger and humiliation, the son had left home, swearing never to return. Months, then years passed. The father 
ached to be reconciled with his son, but had no idea where he was or how to contact him. Since this era um, was long before blogs, internet data, searches, or Facebook, the father had limited options. He hit upon a plan. Money was no object, so he contacted the advertising department of the main newspaper in every major city in the country. He would then take out the same ad in each and every single one. The ad simply said this, Paul, come home, son, all is forgiven. It was included with a toll-free number in case his son was out of money. The ad appeared across the country the following Sunday, and then Monday morning, the phone service set up to field the call for the toll-free number was overwhelmed with calls. All, Anne's crying too, I just want you guys to know, I'm not the only one. Um, The call service was overwhelmed with calls, all from young men named Paul, all hoping that the message was intended for them. That's the story. Love as this power to accept and belong and to look past so many shortcomings, disagreements, um, things that keep us apart, things that divide us, um, just misjudgments, you know? Like, love as that, that kind of profound withness. I just love the words profound withness, if you haven't realized. Like, I think it's pretty cool and I think it's pretty powerful. Love is forgiveness. I told you guys I started off by talking about love and teaching that and modeling that for my boys. One of the things that I've done um, is ask my boys for forgiveness when I do something wrong, um, when I lose my temper, um, when I say something I shouldn't have said, um, when I treat them a way that I shouldn't treat them, I ask them for forgiveness. Um, It's important to do. It's important to have relationships that don't get hung up on petty stuff, <laughs> you know, and to kind of like overcome those barriers. Love. Oof. Looking at my notes, guys. I'm looking at my notes <laughs> for my talk. Those are pretty much the stories that I have for you tonight um, about love. I've got one last thing, and we're going to leave it with that, if that's okay. But sometimes love looks all sorts of different ways, and I've got these goofy little things. I don't know if you guys can tell what this is. This is a pinch pot. It's a pinch pot. One of my boys made this pinch pot. I also have this pinch pot. (laughs) You can store stuff in them, right? I don't know, tiny things, little important things that you need um, to possibly not get back out. Um, And I have this pinch pot as well. Now, these pinch pots were all made by my boys. I have these pinch pots and it's not because they're beautiful. (laughs) It's not because they're super handy and I keep lots of stuff in them. I simply have them because they were made for me by them with love. Like 
they brought those pinch pots home. They were excited with those pinch pots. They brought them to Ann and myself, and they said, look at these. Look at what I made, and I made it for you, and you can have it. Yeah, you can put stuff in it, and, and I, you know, I light up. I'm like, oh, my gosh, yes. Like, I love it. It's so cool, and I'll use it. I swear, you know, like, you take it, and you keep it, and I put that thing up somewhere, and I keep it because I love them, Right? And so, like, how I treat that thing communicates, like, how much I love them. When they see it sitting up, right? When they see my reaction and they see where I put it and how I treat it, 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 it lets them know that I care about them. I'm going to end with that simply because I want you guys to remember that love is definitely a verb. To go way back to my days of listening to this group called DC Talk, love is a verb. It always has been. Um, it's something that we we do, we embody, we communicate, we express, we demonstrate it, we give it, we receive it, we give it. Um, and it can look so many different ways, like we've said tonight, with generosity. And generosity, that's like, sure, that's money, but that's also like spirit and joy, right? And energy, um, it, like it's belonging, it's acceptance, it's forgiveness, it's acts of service, it's making a bowl of ice cream for someone, it's sharing a sip of coffee, it's giving a hug, um, it's sitting with them and it's listening to them, it's playing a game, it's jumping on a trampoline. But love is definitely something that you do. It's something you do. And I would encourage you guys, like I've been sitting here and just in this interesting time, I've, I've been reminded of how much love is like play and love is the interaction and love is what we share and love is being with. And, and it's, it's this profound power in our world. I'm convinced it's probably the only power um, that really does anything like as far as change and transformation and and where we're headed and where we're going so i offer that to you guys tonight a little dose of love this is definitely my broken record 100 percent my broken record i wish all of you love from the bottom of my heart I hope that you'll tune in when we meet again for the next MTL live Facebook event because I want to talk about these kinds of ideas. I mean, this is where I'm at right now. This is my learning ground, my broken record that I've hopped back to, and I'm becoming more and more aware of love again through all of this. And then, you know, I live my life and then it skips again and then I'm like, wait a second, this really is all about love, isn't it? Like, ah, and then I learn more and I go deeper. Next time when we get together, I want to talk about how do we take some of those things that we've learned, some of those things that we've become aware of, some of those things that have reorientated, or, <laughs> ah, reprioritized, there we go, our life, and how do we move forward with them? How do we choose to remember them and choose not to forget. That's what I want to talk about next time. So anyway, love you guys. Thank you for tuning in to More to Life live on Facebook. We will see you next time. And until then, much, much love.